You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. What's something that you have learned this year that would be a benefit to share with other people? Lessons God has shown you. Yes. Appreciate the little things and don't take them for granted. Yeah, that's one. We forget sometimes just all the little things that we do take for granted. It's just we go through life and people and absolutely. I love that. Good. Anybody else? Now, I allocated five minutes for this, so please don't leave me hanging here. So, that's. Right. Words matter. I like that. Sometimes we say things because it makes us feel better. It doesn't necessarily help those around us. And so how do we do that in a way that can be helpful to people? I like that too. Elaine. Count your blessings. Oh, that's a really good one this year. Amen. All right. Okay. God wants to get our attention, doesn't he? So, absolutely. Good, I like that. Thanks, Laura. Anybody else? Jen. I, I think it's been an interesting exercise for me to realize how much faith I put in my capitalist society and those freedoms We've re- what's really emerged this year, and even this whole idea of Christian nationalism, how much our faith and our national identity are intertwined, and most of the time we don't realize how much they're intertwined. And so there's been a lot of that this year, absolutely. All right. Anybody else? Oh, I'm sorry. We need a lot of that this year. Extending grace to other people and to yourself. That, uh, I love that. That's good. Got one more? I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> well... Let me share with you a few things that I've learned this year um, or been reminded of. And because I'm the pastor, it's going to be part of the sermon outline, so you can uh, follow along that way. Um, and they definitely will have a, more of a spiritual connotation to them uh, more than anything else. But one of the things I think that it's been a takeaway or one of the things I've learned is that worry doesn't solve our problems. It just drains our faith and wrecks our emotions. Do you ever notice that most of the things we worry about are about the things that could be? They're not, they're not are. I mean, they don't, they don't exist. It's about things that might happen or might happen in the future. <clears throat> things like, I will die if I get COVID. Or, my spouse will change 
after we get married. Or the opposite is also true. My spouse won't change after we get married. Or the company will cut my position and I will be unemployed. Or something bad will happen to my kids if I'm not around to protect them. Or if the other party wins the election, the country is going to go down the toilet. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the significance of any of these because if they actually do happen, that could be really hard if you lose your job or something like that happens. So I'm not diminishing that. But we're worrying about something that might happen if it happens. And the chances are it may not or the probability is it may not happen. But even if it does, I've discovered that the worry about a potential problem is almost always worse than the actual problem itself. The trauma, all the emotions, everything that we've invested in it, anticipating how bad it's going to be, if it actually does happen, more often than not, it's not that bad. Now, Paul tells us very clearly how to to be thinking about the future. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you put the verse back up? Janet, um, what are we? What what are what is he guarding our hearts and our minds from? I was thinking about this as I was you know, working through this, and that verse in particular will guard your hearts and your minds. But what is he guarding them from? Anxiety, negative, negative thoughts. Okay. Okay. I think, that's all, I think that that's all could very much be part of it. I actually wonder if he's that, because what we're talking about, don't be anxious because God's going to protect you. I'm wondering if what's being protected, he's protecting you from making bad choices out of the emotions of worry of anxiety. Do you ever observe somebody that they're really stressed and anxious and they really make some choices that that's an emotional response, not one that's in their best interest long-term? I think also... It protects us from damaging relationships. Again, somebody who is anxious and worried, that what happens, they tend to either disassociate from others, they tend to withdraw, or they damage relationships because they're accusing people, they're doing things, saying things they probably shouldn't do because of the emotions of the moment. So sometimes when we worry and when we're anxious, we do things that we probably shouldn't do. And what, what Paul is saying is that when you give, don't be anxious, and by prayer and petition, give, make your requests known to God, and the peace that comes on you will keep you from doing those types of things that will be more dangerous or more detrimental to you in your life. Another thing I've learned this year is that physical distancing during a pandemic is good, but social distancing is not. There's a difference. I actually like Zoom. I'm one of the few people my wife can't understand it. Um, but in fairness, I've had a head start. 
I've been using Zoom for, and teaching my classes for about four years. And so using it and understanding it is, is something I've just become used to. Now, don't get me wrong. I prefer the face-to-face. I prefer the interaction. I much more would, would have that. But Zoom allows me to connect with people when face-to-face isn't possible. Again, for me, with some of my students, the class I've got going on right now, I've got 16 students. Only two of them live in the U.S., I'm able to connect and interact with them live, see their faces, hear their voices, exchange conversations, engage with them in a very substantive way, and they're in different parts of the world. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing um, that allows. It also, I've discovered here at Grace Covenant, because we're doing more of our meetings on Zoom, I have less travel time. A 30-minute meeting is actually a 30-minute meeting. It's not, I need a half hour to get ready, a half hour to drive there, have the meeting, drive home. Now that's a two-hour time frame for a 30-minute meeting. So this is expedited and made time much more available. Um, and, and you don't always have to get dressed up for a Zoom meeting. I put on a button shirt and wear gym shorts and I'm barefoot, and no one knows. Um, so it, it, it helps that. Personally, yeah, personally, you know, um, our Wednesday morning men's Bible study, we've got, I mean, we have a chance to, to read scripture together. We pray together. We talk about real substantive issues. Um, so we're, we're able to do things at a, at, a, at a depth that you wouldn't always think possible. Um, and the life group that we're, st- we're going to be starting here in January, um, we're, gonna be, we're wanting, we're trying to explore how do we add a, a virtual component to it. Um, and so we're exploring that because I just know that at this point in time, there's still some of us who would like to be together physically, but for whatever reasons, they're just not able to. And so we want to make sure that they feel included and can be a part of that. See, one of the things, the big concerns among pastors, and I'm reading this not just within our staff, but I'm reading in articles and pastors across the country and even across the world, is that a significant number of our people in our congregations have come to the conclusion that they no longer need to be connected to Christ followers. They can get it all through online. They can get it all through TV or get it all through some other online thing. And there's no real connectivity, live, real person-to-person connectivity, either you know, face-to-face or even virtual. There's just nothing there. There's no fellowship with anyone. Now, staying connected relationally was not an option for Paul. Obviously, he didn't have some of the things that we're currently working with. But in 1 Thessalonians, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So this idea of, and I've said this before, the Christian faith was, is, was very, is very personal. It is very personal, but it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always meant to be lived in life with other Christ followers. And that is the essence of, of the Christian community. That is by far the most appealing aspect of our faith. Other faiths, other religions have, have other traditions, they have dogmas, they have other things that determine and help them shape life. What really does is very different and unique about their Christian faith is the communal aspect. There's things that, that are offered uh, within the, the, the community of faith that just isn't available anywhere else. A third thing I've learned this year is that disruptions can be the place of opportunity if we're willing to seek God. Um, this year, the idea of serving in your community has been really challenging. Um, so Fifth Street Ministries, I mean, pretty much all summer, they weren't accepting volunteer groups. We just, things that we have done in the past, the things that were normal to us about serving just haven't been possible. What we discovered, however, is that someone had access to a semi-truck, 
with chicken tenders in it. We ended up getting three truckloads to disperse. We filled all the food banks in our area for a, a couple months. Um, ministries that we had yet, were, had yet to really even establish relationships with, we were able to have, begin a relationship and connect with them um, by providing uh, this. I know we filled the food shelves here in Statesville, three different organizations. We gave them all they could take. They could, literally had no more room. Between our three campuses, we dispersed over 100,000 pounds of chicken tenders. Um, that was pretty, we're known as the chicken church uh, for a while here. And, and many of you took boxes and dispersed it and shared it with friends and neighbors and coworkers. And so it created opportunities for a lot of conversations. That was pretty cool. One of the things we also done here um, the, over the last few months is we've taken back our, uh, baskets of snacks, crackers, refreshments, you know, uh, individual size servings of things. And we've taken these baskets to schools to the office and just said, here, here's what's for the teachers, administrators, just to let you know we're praying, thinking of you and praying for you. Um, th- it's, it's amazing the responses we've gotten from the, the administrators. The, the principal for the Statesville High School sent me a note saying, thank you for this. We'd love, once this, everything kind of settles down here, we'd love to work, to get together and figure out how we can work together in the future. Principal from a public school contacting a pastor at a church saying, "How can we work together?" For me, that's unheard of. Coming from the Northeast, you just you just don't have those inner those two overlaps. Um, the other things that are happening um, just be able to give us opportunity to connect. And so, yes, there was a disruption and things were changed. But in the midst of that, we're able to find other opportunities if we're willing to actually. Um, see that. We see this very clearly with Paul and Silas in, in Acts chapter 16. They're, they're tra- traveling, they're talking, teaching, and this young woman comes out who's demon-possessed and starts making a commotion. And she's actually saying things that are true. She's saying, these are, these are prophets of the Most High, listen to them. So what she's saying is inaccurate, but she was disrupting the whole thing. And Paul actually says he gets irritated with her, turns around and, and uh, essentially casts out the demon, says, leave her, get out of her. Um, thinking that would be the end of it. You know, they can then kind of continue teaching and doing what they do in peace. Unfortunately, that motion of casting out a demon, demon, which we would think would be a good thing, put in motion all kinds of negative repercussions. <clears throat> because she was, she was a fortune teller. Because of her, her demonic influence, she could tell people's fortunes, which someone <clears throat> had used to essentially enslave her, and now that was their income. They would essentially sell her uh, ability to other people. So now all their income source dried up. So they took Paul and Silas to court, who they were then were arrested and beaten and put in jail. <clears throat> but we read out. So you would think that here they are doing good work, but yet in the midst of that, they're arrested and beaten. And that's where we, the story that we read that that night there's an earthquake and the jailer thinking that everyone had escaped and he would be killed because he's responsible for them you know, finds out that Paul hasn't escaped. And Paul and Silas say, no, no, we're all here. Don't do anything. And the man is so overwhelmed by what God is doing through Paul and Silas that he and all his family and everyone with him um, give their lives to Christ and put their faith in him. So yeah, a huge disruption, a huge thing. But in the midst of that, if we're paying attention, if we're looking, other opportunities will come out of that. Lastly, this year we learned that in the storms of life, we must be anchored to the truth of God's word. In my lifetime, I've never seen so many social issues 
come to the forefront in such a relatively short period of time. I've never observed this much passion over all those issues. And I've also never seen so much disagreement over those issues. So we have people who are passionately disagreeing about a lot of things at the same time. You know, COVID, mass, conspiracy theories, racism, immigration, justice, and politics, all the things, so many perspectives, so many opinions. Who do we believe? What do we believe? What's actually true? What I've discovered, however, that when the storms of life hit, I'm not going to find calm and peace in a Google search. I'm not going to find calm and peace on social media. I will consistently find calm and peace, however, for my troubled soul in God's word. Timothy tells us, or Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy, that all scripture is God-breathed, that God has breathed life into it, and it's useful for so many things. And then, and then uh, also Paul tells us in Hebrews, for the word of God is alive and active. So it's something that gives us life. It's something that's not just a history account. It's not just a, a historical document, but it's alive to us today. And in the midst of that, when life is troubling, life is unsettling, we can find calm and we can find peace for our soul. So without a doubt, there have been many lessons learned for all of us this year. What I, uh, it's interesting, though, Kierkegaard is a Danish philosopher uh, from the 19th century. He said, life can only be understood backwards. So looking back, but it must be lived forward. We can understand it looking backward, but we can only live it forward. So the past can't be changed, and the future is the only thing we can change. So then, with 2020 in mind, what might we think about 2021? So I think one of the things I think that this year has reminded us is that we need to live humbly, pursuing God and his work for our lives. <clears throat> so this next year, may that be our desire and our intent. I think it's incredibly hard to find balance in life when everything feels so uncertain. Part of it's our need to control things. We want to be able to manage it and understand it and control it. And, but also part of it is just not knowing how to plan. How do we actually make plans? How do we do normal life activities when things are uncertain? Um, my father turned 80 this year, and I had the opportunity to actually f fly up there. Both Bess and I did fly up there and, and to Michigan and to be with him uh, and the rest of the family for his birthday. And, but my dad has suffered from uh, some significant back and knee pain for a few years. And uh, in fact, at that uh, just uh, about a year ago, I uh, was using, up until then, I was using a motorized cart to get around. I mean, it was that bad. Um, but then about a little more than a year ago, he uh, got serious about losing some weight. Um, but his approach wasn't just diet reduction. He actually joined a gym. He went every day to Planet Fitness. Every day, even on Sundays. He didn't take a day off. Seven days a week, he was going to Planet Fitness. Um, and he lost a bunch of weight. And um, his back problems began to be minimized. His knee problems were much less. And so he wasn't, not only was not using a cart, he wasn't even using a walker or cane. He was able to navigate everything on his own um, and live what he considered to be a much more normal life. Um, and then COVID hit. And 
you know, so in talking with him, you know, I said, well, how's it going? And, you know, he's obviously still, you know, trying to be careful about what he's eating, but he's not able to be as active. And because the gyms uh, in Michigan in particular had been uh, closed and shut down. And it was interesting, his comment was, says, you know, it is, it's a concern because I'm not as active and it, it, I'm, I'm worried about it. <clears throat> but what he said, they said, I find myself reading my Bible even more every day. I thought that was a really interesting connection to realize this was part of who he was and part of his life. I found that when life's routines and patterns get upset, the first thing that's usually impacted is our time with God. My suggestion would be that when life seems most uncertain, that's when we need to press into God even more. So even though our human inclination is sometimes to withdraw, that should actually be the signal to us that we need to actually press in. That's what it means to live humbly and pursue God. I love Proverbs 3. It's probably a verse that all of, most of you can probably quote, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So in 2021, we should live humbly. In 2021, we should also live confidently, trusting God's promises and his provision. Um, when the kids were here the last few days, got into conversation <clears throat> uh, with one in particular, but it kind of expanded and included others, uh, a conversation about investing and financial planning. <clears throat> um, our youngest, is, he's 28, and so he's, I'm actually quite proud of the fact he's thinking about those things at that age. Um, you know, so then we got into conversations about IRAs and Roth IRAs and um, work-related retirement plans. Um, so this is one thing, if I had a do-over in life, this was one thing I wish I would spend more time learning. I would have taken a financial planning course or two or, you know, something where I just would have had a better understanding of what that all looks like and how it all, how it happens and all these things. And So while we work hard to make wise choices, to do things that are in our best interests, here's what I know. My hope is not in my retirement plan. I have one, and we we try to do our best, and, and there's things that we're counting on, and there's things that we're planning for, but my hope doesn't rest in that. It can't, because as we've learned this year, things can happen very quickly. And especially when it comes to retirement plans and finances, well, what we've learned over the last 10, 15, 20 years is the volatility of things that we just have no control over. Things can happen. What's interesting to me um, in relation to this, in Exodus chapter 33, um, the Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land. They've, go, they've done all the things to the wilderness. They're actually finally entering, getting to the point. And God said to Moses, go into the, go, get going. I'm going to send an angel in to kind of be your escort. I'm going to send an angel in and the angel will help you, you know, drive out all the other um, people groups that are there so that you can occupy the land, Um, you know, you know, go. And, um, but Moses said this, he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. What I love about that, what Moses was saying was that an angel's not good enough. We don't want an angel. We want you. If you're not going with us, we don't want to go. 
like Moses, we need to understand that without the presence of God, we are left to fend for ourselves, and as a result, we're more likely to fail. Our capabilities, our planning, our skills, our abilities, while important, they're all futile in the face of uncertainty unless God is with us. The presence of God is a sure and solid foundation on which we can stand, not our methods, strategies, and our resources. God is our foundation. With God, challenges become less of an obstacle and more of an opportunity for God to display his power. So in 2021, we should live humbly, live confidently, and live graciously, looking for opportunities to express love of Jesus. Um, There's another member of my extended family um, who this year has become very outspoken on social media. And uh, um, what I found troubling about it wasn't the content per se, although I you know, there were different things out there that I didn't necessarily agree with. It wasn't the content, but the tone. Um, and I <clears throat> actually called her and I said, what's going on? What gives? This, this is not, I don't, this isn't the you I know, what's happening. <clears throat> and um, she says, people I know who believe this way, I want to show them they're wrong. And, I, and this was not, the, and I realized in my conversation, this was not a conversation. You know, it wasn't something we were going to debate this. She was letting me know this is kind of where she, you know, kind of stood on things. And, but what I tried to convey to her is that people on social media are, are more are her friends. They're people that she always has a relationship with. Most of them already think like she does. You know, so who's she actually talking to? And those who may disagree with her just snooze her for 30 days or actually just unfollow them all, all far up together. So really... Who are you communicating with and who are you talking to in such a a derogatory manner? Now, I'm all for discussing issues and uh, I think talking about things and and disagreeing with things is good and healthy. I think there's no problem with that. But don't be so intent on making your voice heard. You were, and what I was coming to her is you should just worry about you. John... tells us in his gospel, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not by convincing them they're wrong, not by showing people you're right, not by having the loudest voice or the most convincing opinion, but it's by showing love for one another. Live graciously. Lastly, live generously. Leveraging what we have to help others. Live generously. There's a story um, that came out um, earlier this summer um, about when all the hand sanitizers started disappearing from the shelves. Somehow this guy, I think he lives in Kentucky. I don't know how he got word of it. He, he, he anticipated, and, and uh, maybe it was a good business thing, but he, he bought, went around to the whole region, like within a couple state region, and he bought over 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then started selling them on eBay and, and Amazon, that kind of stuff. The problem was that he was selling $5 bottles for like 50 bucks. Um, and, you know, so people started complaining. Amazon basically shut him down. 
and it got what the attorney general got. It's basically they were facing, um, there's, they were facing prosecution because of the price gouging. And um, it was just interesting to hear the comments that I was making. And I'm not against making money. I think there's, there's a, but I think there's a difference between a shrewd business move and exploiting other people. Now, where that line is, it can be a little challenging to determine at times. But selling $5 bottles of, of sanitizing solution for $50 when there's such a crisis for it, um, in the opinion of most people, crossed the line. Here's, here's, here's the thing, though. I think as Christ followers, we're called to follow Jesus' example. You know, this, remember back in the day, the, the braces, what would Jesus do? That's not something I would see Jesus doing, making not just a profit, but, but an exorbitant profit <clears throat> at something that was such a need and people were so desperate to have. And as Christ followers, we're called to follow Jesus. So live generously. Jesus didn't collect. He didn't gain. Jesus gave of himself and his life for others. Second Corinthians 9 tells us, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God has promised us to, uh, blessings, not so much that we can accumulate, but that we could then be generous with others. <clears throat> God isn't done with us yet, Either any of us. God is still working on us as individuals. He's still at work in your life. He's still at work in my life. We can be confident of this. Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we've learned a lot from 2020. A lot of things have happened. Some of the things we're not going to understand probably for years down the road. Like I said, all right, this is what was happening. 2021 is an opportunity in front of us. And so as we look ahead, are there certain things that we can take with us that will help us reflect the life of Christ that should be within us? Can we let that be reflect, not just change our heart, but also be reflection to others as we engage them as we go through life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, that you've given us an opportunity to continue to live for you. And as we wrap up this year, uh, there's a lot of things we can observe and things we can see. Some of it is uh, still really cloudy. Some of the things we're still not sure of. Some of the things are still in motion. Uh, there's not been resolution. And so, Father, I just pray that in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of turbulence, that we would find peace in you. My prayer, Lord God, is that each of us would look to you for calm, not in other people, not in other sources, not in things we might read, but God, that we'd find it in you. And then, Lord, as we continue to live out our life, may we take the calm and the peace and the joy of Christ within us, and may we allow it to flow through us into the lives of other people. May we be the one that speaks words of encouragement to others. May we be the ones who bring calm into a situation. May we be the ones who bring hope and generosity into the lives of other people. So God, thank you again for all that you do. 
and we trust you in all these things and we put our lives into your hands and we're just continually grateful for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.